0: Happy Monday and welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I am a prospect writer, minor league play-by-play broadcaster, as well as a Marlins writer. And I really had been itching to get this episode out, which is going to be on the Marlins right field slash first base slash potential DH situation, if there is a DH in the National League, which I'll get into, because the Marlins are reportedly interested in in adding a right fielder, potentially a left-handed hitting right fielder. And over the last two weeks, we've heard some reports that the Marlins are connected to potentially Yasiel Puig as they always are. It seems like the Marlins are perpetually connected to Puig and then Adam Duval, who I am not too thrilled on or too keen on as an option for the Marlins, but I'll talk about those two guys, and then what the Marlins' potential options could be, and how things would shuffle around roster-wise, because if you remember, I did record an episode talking about the Marlins' right-field options, because before the Duval and Puig reports came out, it was already reported that the Marlins had some interest in, specifically, ironically, as Puig and Duval are right-handed hitters, that the Marlins had reportedly had some interest in left-handed hitting right fielders and I think it makes sense for the Marlins to target a right fielder but also there's some moving parts here and I think it makes more sense if the National League has a DH it gives the Marlins a lot more flexibility and while I think every team would benefit from the DH in the National League and it would be great for Major League Baseball because free agency is already a little bit scarce in terms of demand for some of those middling guys Because of the financial restrictions, not everybody's jumping out of their chairs to give five, six million dollars to a player that might be slightly above replacement level. They'd rather go to the minor leagues or look at some other options to fill that role because of the penny pinch right now. But if you had the DH. In the National League, it opens up at least 15 jobs, 15 spots for bat first types of guys, which there are plenty of on the market right now. And that would kind of hedge some of the issue that there is right now with the lack of demand in the market. But also the Marlins could really stand to benefit from this. I know the Mets are pushing for the designated hitter as well because they don't like Dominic Smith in the outfield. And there's not really a spot for him at first with Pete. Alonzo, so they have some decisions to make, and, and they would really like to have the designated hitter in the National League. And I'm going to start with this before I get into the Marlins roster and all the implications there. These two situations here I think is more unfortunate for the Mets right now because Dom Smith had his big breakout year, and now they don't know where to put him. It is a complete joke and a disgrace that Major League Baseball has not figured it out at this point. It is just ridiculous that we're expecting teams to build their roster out. And I know they've said kind of err on the side of caution of assuming that there is no DH, but how about just a clear and definite answer at this point? How could you expect people to do their jobs to build a roster when one of the most premium offensive spots in the lineup may or may not be there? It's also ridiculous that we would have had the DH this past season after not having the DH in the National League, then this year we would go back to not having it again. And then it's inevitable to have the DH in the future after the next CBA. So why not just have it this year and go from there? You would have flipped back and forth multiple times. It makes no sense, no continuity. It makes the league look like a joke. And it's just ridiculous. It's such an easy thing to figure out. I don't understand why there is such a dispute here where is the dispute players are on board for it every player i've interviewed or talked to has said they're on board for it most owners want it where is the issue where are we confused here why is this not a clear cut let's do it let's have a unilateral rule across baseball why in the world is there a different rule in the american league versus the national league i understand the argument if you're not a dh person in general and you like the tradition of the game, but at this point, I'm sorry, and I really do understand that argument, but that ship has sailed, unfortunately, because you need to have a steadiness across the game. The AL is not gonna scrap the DH, and honestly, they shouldn't, because the last thing Major League Baseball needs is 15 less jobs available for offensive players, and you know what? At this point, when I think about it, yes, I like the strategy that goes into, do I leave my pitcher in for another inning and let him hit here where he will probably strike out, but at least I get another ending out of him or do I pinch it and hope that we cash in a run here? Sure. That's great. Whatever. But also I just do not want to watch somebody that is most likely hitting at a division three college level or worse. A lot of pitchers really do hit at that level. In the major league baseball game, it's a joke. It just—it's not worth it. I don't really enjoy it. I don't really enjoy watching those guys try to lay down a bunt, best case scenario, or take three terrible hacks and then go down. Yes, it's exciting when a guy finally hit gets a hit. The Bartello Colon will home run will be one of the most incredible things that's ever happened in baseball. But I, you know what? That's what memories are for. Let's move on. Baseball needs more offense. I don't need to see a high school level hitter at the plate just going down on three pitches, and then we're going to claim that that's better for strategy. I digress here, but I really wanted to talk about that. And it's not about the DH debate because, to be clear, I understand the other side of it. It's more so that Major League Baseball is way about neck deep now into an offseason where our teams are making big moves, building their roster, all of that good stuff, and we still don't know if you're going to have eight hitters or nine hitters in your lineup. How is that possible? That's beyond me. And when we look at the Marlins situation, it would be incredibly helpful to know that. It would have been helpful to know that when the Marlins had to decide whether to tender a contract to Jesus Aguilar or not ultimately they decide to just do it and I'm glad they did because at least you can just react from there a one-year 4.43 million or 4.35 million dollar contract excuse me is very reasonable for Jesus Aguilar after the year he just had and you probably wouldn't have too much trouble moving that if there is no DH and Luis Diaz is in that spot but I wanted to talk about the whole breakdown here of what the implications would be roster wise DH versus no DH and I think how the Marlins should handle this uh, either way, and where I think they can add, and and the whole juggle that goes into it. So to start with this here, I get why the Marlins want a right fielder, and it makes sense to me in some ways, but also. It is confusing if the plan is to not have a DH, and I'll tell you why. Because Garrett Cooper, at this point, yes, he's a mediocre outfielder. Yes, it's been clear, as Eli Sussman pointed this out to me, as having a little side conversation with him about this. And yes, it was clear that the Marlins do not love Garrett Cooper in the outfield, and Matt Joyce was playing out there. Old man Matt Joyce was playing out in the outfield more than Cooper. But when you look at just about every single advanced metric and fielding metric, He is brutally average, which is fine. With his offensive profile this past year and a half, I will take average in the outfield any day of the week. I think more so for the Marlins, it's the concern of injury, it's the durability concerns with Cooper that they don't like him in the outfield for that reason. I also understand that. But let's be real here. I think Cooper is clearly a better offensive option than Adam Duvall. Duvall is sneakily a really, really good defender in the corner outfield spot, but I don't really care. I because the Marlins are starved for offense and I want more consistent offense. Duvall is a guy that you would be buying high on and I think the biggest mistake you can make is buying high on a guy that had a good year on an abbreviated season this past year, especially in that Braves lineup. Duvall was hitting seventh most of the year in a cushy spot, seeing a ton of fastballs, more fastballs than he's ever seen and more strikes than he's ever seen because nobody is worried about Adam Duvall when you got to face Freddie Freeman, you got to face Ronald Acuna and you got to face... That whole stacked lineup, Ozzy Albie's goes on and on. Nobody is worried about Duvall. Was Duvall fantastic this past year? Sure, he had a great year, and I'm happy for him as a bounce back candidate. But the Braves also non-tendered him, so I know they don't need him by any stretch, and they have a loaded lineup already. But if he was a real true piece to that lineup, I would assume that they would at least tender him a contract. So I just don't see it there. Puig gets the age-old debate: Is he worth the headache? I don't know if he is worth the headache at this point. He did not play in 2020 because of that age-old debate. Is he worth the headache? And in 2019, he was okay. He was pretty solid. When you look at his stats across the board, though, and I told you these were Garrett Cooper's numbers, you would say, eh, I would expect some, a little bit better numbers from Cooper, to be honest. Maybe not in the home run category, but in 2019, This was the slash line for Yasiel Puig, 267, 327, 458. That's good for a 785 OPS, but keep this in mind. He played half of the season, or if not more, in Cincinnati, where that's one of the biggest hitters' parks you're going to find, and he hits 22 of his 24 home runs in a Cincinnati Reds uniform. Sure, he had double the at-bats in a Reds uniform, but 22 is a lot more. Than two. It's more than double. It's 11 times more. And I know you know that, but it's just worth echoing here because the point is he benefited from that ballpark there. And believe it or not, Puig's career high in home runs is 28. Sure, he battled some injury issues and this and that. But also, if that's the drawback on Cooper, then why would you go out and pay Puig? I would say one of the biggest draws for Puig is the fact that. He would put butts in seats as a Cuban guy, as an exciting player, as a recognizable name. Sure, but you're not even benefiting from that at this point. I don't know what the policy is going to be for fans in seats this coming season. But I promise you, there will be a very limited amount of fans allowed, if at all. And at that point, you're not really benefiting financially from Puig either. And he's a headache There's ridiculous story after ridiculous story. My favorite is just Zach Granke throwing Puig stuff off of the team bus, just throwing it off. And Granke's kind of weird too, but he's pretty even keel. And he literally just said, I'm sick of your shit and threw his stuff off the bus. That's a true corroborated story. So at that point, it's like if he is that much of a headache and he's not that much of an upgrade, if at all, offensively, why not just stick it out with Cooper? And I know what you might be thinking, why not both? You could put Cooper at first base, but that's going to be an overly complicated situation. And this is where the DH comes into effect. Because if there is a DH, I think that the Marlins should 100% go out and get a right fielder. I just don't think it should be either of the two aforementioned guys. I mentioned some of the targets, and I want to talk about how if there is a DH, how that would align with the Marlins prospect timeline how it would align with how they should set up their lineups and then if there isn't a dh how they should approach that as well and what the lineups could potentially look like and who would be the odd man out versus who would be getting more at bats and how you could maneuver that situation but before i get into that a quick message from our sponsors BetOnline.ag is the only sports book that we trust here at Locked On. They have everything you can imagine every prop bet, every line up to date. And the amazing thing is, right now, this time of year, there is so much to wager on you have the nfl playoffs you have the national championship game coming up later today this evening you also have the nba season underway college basketball it goes on and on and on you can also place your futures bets for baseball as well betonline.ag has you covered there and the best thing about the website and the deal with locked on is that if you use the promo code locked on that's one word at betonline.ag you'll get a 50 percent bonus on your initial deposit. So if you deposit $100, you get an extra 50 to wager on betonline.ag, the only sportsbook that we trust. That is promo code lockedon, one word lockedon at betonline.ag for a free 50% bonus on your deposit. That's betonline.ag, your most trusted online sportsbook, also brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, 50% more for the same auto parts when you can just go to rockauto.com and use their easy to navigate website to find whatever car part, make or model that you need for your car. The chain stores and the private mechanics are not looking out for your wallet and there is no better option than the family-owned business of over 20 years, rockauto.com. You order the part online, they ship it straight to your door. So much easier than the headache of going to that dealership, going to that auto parts store. Go to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the how did you hear about us section, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So let's jump back into this just conundrum or future potential conundrum that the Marlins may have roster wise, lineup wise, and why this whole DH situation could have implications in different directions for the fish. So if they want to get a right fielder, again, I'm I'm totally on board for that. I'm just less on board for it if there is no DH, because at that point, how do you spread out the at-bats in this situation here? You clearly got Dickerson and left you got Marte in center. You have Aguilar at first base, who you just brought back for $4 million, who also had a spectacular bounce-back season, and I am very sold on, which leaves you nowhere to put Cooper but right field where he is capable. He is more than capable, and you also can give Cooper the days off. You do have outfield depth, right? You have Lewis Brinson. You have Magnara Sierra. You still have Harold Ramirez. There are so many options still where if you want to give him the day off here and there, there are capable players, especially against a left-handed pitcher, I'm more than comfortable putting Lewis Brinson in there. Also, late in games, defensive replacements, you have those guys that you can put in for Cooper as well, so you can protect him for the most part in right field. Also, Lewin Diaz is going to need to get some at-bats at first base. I think at this point, he does not really gain anything from playing in the minor leagues, and he's just been on a torrid pace in the winter league right now he looks really good he's starting to put it together at the plate he's a premium defender at first base as well and while you know first base is not a very important defensive position compared to other spots you're going to take a premium defender over an average to subpar defender in Aguilar but again how do you balance that all out because Aguilar is a guy you're paying $4 million plus. He was really good last year. Really, when you look at any peripheral metric, I could spend a whole episode on him. Maybe I'll do it in the future where you could see the parallels between this past year and the 2018 All-Star season. A lot of the figures that had not been there since then and weren't there before that 2018 season return there. The ground ball rate backed down below 40% for the first time since 2018 and the only time since 2018 or before that. He never had the metric there. Much better on the pull side. He squared up more balls on the inner third of the plate, which is just showing that his bat speed came back a lot more. He had better body control and all of that good stuff. He had more squared-up baseballs on the inner third in half the at-bats this year than he did in 2019. So you just look at all of those figures, and you got to think that he is more than likely to continue that trend where he put up an 800 OPS, eight home runs, and the Marlins are pretty starved for power. They need that. Of course, you're going to get power from and Diaz, but you're going to have to figure that out too. I think they could be a potential platoon option there where you have Diaz coming off the bench. And also hitting against tough right handers or just right handers that Aguilar is not historically as good against, because in his career, Aguilar has done much more damage against left handed pitching. And in 2019 or 2020, excuse me, this past year, he was much better against left handed pitching. A 956 OPS against Southpaws, a 752 OPS against righties. Small sample size, but still in his career, while not that dramatic. He is always better against the lefties. I know you're probably thinking, well, at that point, if the Marlins don't have a DH or if the NL doesn't have a DH, then you're just basically expecting the Marlins to go back out there with the same roster. For the most part, yes. I think at this point, that's what you have to do instead of forcing an acquisition for a guy that's not going to make that much of a difference in Duvall or or Puig, if you're going to go get a Cole Calhoun, then maybe we can talk about that. But I don't think people are totally paying attention to how good Cooper was this past year offensively. He was in the top 5% in expected batting average. He was in the top 11% in XWOBA. He was in the top 13% in expected slugging, top 30% in exit velocity, top half of the league in barrel percentage, lift percentage, hard hit percentage. He was solid with the K rate that improved. Walk rate could be a little bit better, but not bad at the 40th percentile. Like he was probably the Marlins most consistent hitter and best offensive player. 853 OPS, 500 slugging. He was a machine and I expect that out of him. That's what he's been. He's always been a guy that hits every level. When he's healthy, he mashes. There's no question there. When he's healthy, he is always a masher. He hits any pitch that you throw at him. 299 against the fastball this past year, 250 against the breaking ball, 294 against the off-speed, 2019, 291 against the fastball, 292 against the breaking ball. Like, it's just ridiculous how consistent he is. You don't really see guys that are that consistent across every pitch. He's just a machine. And I really do like him to be in the lineup as much as possible. I understand that he might not be an everyday, everyday guy, but he really started to put things together this past year more than ever to... He also cut the ground ball right down a little bit, was able to get the ball in the air more frequently, and just square baseballs up more frequently. If there is a DH, this is where I think the Marlins should go, and this is where I think this would make the most sense for the fish. With the DH in the mix, you put Aguilar at the DH, no doubt in my mind. Then you have Diaz at first base, you have Cooper and right, and this wouldn't be permanent. This would be something that you could shuffle around quite frequently. Then you go out and look for that right field option. That could be a platoon or just a piece solid enough that makes it justifiable to slide Cooper into the DH spot, then platoon Aguilar and Diaz at first base. That would be... Probably take a Jock Peterson type for me, and I would love Peterson in right field because, again, now you just got platoons everywhere, and that's fine with me. I I like the platoon situation because this is such a confusing year, and they're just really trying to piece it together. They have pieces. They're never going to be able to compete with these crazy offenses, so if you have guys that can really expose some platoon advantages, then that might be the way to keep up with them. You know that Jock Peterson— cannot touch left-handed pitching. So anytime a southpaw is on the mound, Jock Peterson would not be in the lineup. And I've warmed up to Peterson because I was a little bit colder on the idea. But this type of situation, it would make sense. You have Peterson in right field against a right-handed pitcher. Then you can figure out how you're going to spread the at-bats across the three players in this situation for two spots between DH and first base. That would be and Diaz, Jesus Aguilar and Garrett Cooper. I think in the beginning of the year, if there's a DH, you probably just start with Cooper and Aguilar. Maybe you start Diaz and AAA just for a month or two while you sort this out and see what Aguilar is doing, see what Cooper's doing, see if he's staying healthy, and feel out whoever your right fielder is. And just it's a way to just get your bearings for a month and then go from there. I think that makes the most sense in the short term. But eventually, You want to have Luan Diaz up there at this point in his career. I think he's ready to go, and it's going to be make or break for him. You just got to see what he can do. I think he's ready to go, and he's going to be pretty productive. And again, you know that he's going to play very good defense there. I like that as the Marlins' short-term solution. It's a little bit of a cop-out because then what do they do if, let's say, theoretically, Luan Diaz is mashing. This is the best-case scenario, Probably and Diaz is mashing in AAA, and Aguilar and Cooper are both swinging it really well, which is, this is a pretty feasible situation here, and the Marlins did go out and get a right fielder, like a Calhoun, like a Peterson, one of those guys, then what do you do? That's where it would be interesting. I think there would be some decisions to be made. Do you trade Jesus Aguilar, who seems like a leader on the ball club at that point, and you could cross this bridge when you get there, but you have to kind of look ahead and see what you would do in this situation and play all of the scenarios out. Sure, if you have this situation where there is a DH and let's say Cooper goes down, God forbid, or Aguilar for whatever reason does not continue what he did last year or the right fielder that you acquired is no good, whatever it is, then you adjust from there and you're going to be happy that you have Lewin and you have this depth. But if these guys are all hitting pretty well, which is possible, right? Like we know Cooper's a machine. Aguilar's a machine. Diaz should be ready. And if they acquire somebody for right field, it's going to have to be someone that's worth their while. So if all these guys are hitting, then where do you go from there? You'd probably have to find a suitor for Aguilar. And like I said before, he is a great fit for the team. That would be a bit of a headache, but I guess that's a good headache in a situation that you don't mind being in. But in that same notion, The Marlins already have so many outfielders. None of them are great, and if the Marlins are really trying to contend, they need to go get a Jock Peterson, a Cole Calhoun, or one of those types of guys. But at the same time, they got to figure out what in the world they're going to do with Magnery, Sierra, Harold Ramirez, uh, even Lewis Brinson. I'm not saying that you're going to base your decisions on that, but again, maybe that first month will make things easier to figure it out from there, and it's not like you can't make a move after the first month. I also think the most simple... And easiest way to upgrade your ball club right now is catcher. Like, why are we pretending that the Marlins should roll out there with a guy they didn't trust enough to really play at all in the playoffs, a career backup at best, really a third catcher, or Sandy Leone, who hasn't hit over 200 since I was in middle school? I just don't understand how the Marlins could roll with that catching situation. And as you know, there's no prospects knocking on the door to help them behind the dish. Like that is where you gotta be looking to upgrade immediately. If you go get Contreras or just a quality bat behind the dish, that does wonders for your lineup. The upgrade from Wallach to Contreras is impactful to say the least on the offensive side of things. And you're not going to have that much of a drop off defensively Sure, Wallach calls good games, I guess. And is pitchers like throw into him, but he's not an elite framer, he's not an elite defender, he's just solid, he's okay, and his bat is anemic. I just don't understand how the Marlins continue to ignore and not address that. That would be where I'm focused on. But if we're going to talk about right field because that clearly seems to be where they're focused on, there is a lot of moving parts as I mentioned. And I don't know if there's a true answer, but at least this is a discussion of what the Marlins have to figure out. And ultimately, I think the best move to summarize, so you at least come away with something from this just cluster of a situation, I would, I'll give both scenarios here, right? If there's a DH, this is where I would much prefer, and it gives the Marlins a lot of flexibility. I say you go get your right fielder, whoever that is. Let's say for just a fun exercise, it's Cole Calhoun, because the Marlins are best friends with the Diamondbacks and seem to love trading with them. You get Calhoun in right field, you got, the DH situation here where you probably put Aguilar at the DH spot or Cooper at the DH spot and the other at first base. Then and Diaz, you decide if you want him in A, or if you want to try and give him spot starts to hit against those right-handers if Aguilar continues to struggle a little bit against right-handed pitching or if you want to give Cooper a day off and you slide Aguilar to the DH spot and Diaz to first base. And that's the thing, if, if Cooper's not an everyday guy, then you're fine with that because you're going to find at-bats for Cooper's days off and to just give Aguilar a break from tough righties. That'll get at least enough at-bats for Lewin Diaz, and he will also be a solid pinch hitter and a defensive replacement late in games at first base as well. I think that's enough of a role to justify him not being in AAA, and then you get the offensive boost of a Cole Calhoun, a Jock Peterson, whatever that is, and that's a pretty good lineup there. It's not competing with the Mets, or the Braves, but with the Marlins pitching staff, they should be solid with a lineup that features Ryan Anderson at third, Miguel Rojas at shortstop, second base could be Isan Diaz or Jazz Chisholm, first base would be Aguilar, let's say, then the outfield would be Corey Dickerson, who is a huge bounce-back candidate, Starling Marte, who's a stud, right fielder, let's say Cole Calhoun, then you have the DH spot for Cooper, and then you have a loaded bench of pretty solid bats behind the dish, of course, that's, let's just say it's Alfaro for now, but I would love an upgrade there behind the dish too. That's a pretty darn good lineup. It's not bad at all, and with their good pitching, they should be a 500-ish team if the bullpen's all right and they call up an Edward Cabrera or this or that. Something I also saw in, in a poll on Twitter was, would you rather go get a right fielder or call up Bleday at midseason? I don't think you can go into this season expecting or just even really leaning on the probability of J.J. Bleday being called up at the mid or end of this season. One, the Marlins need offensive help right out of the gate, and he obviously won't be up to start the season. Two, there's really not a reason to rush Blade. He's a polished hitter, he's well rounded, but he's also only played a handful of games in professional baseball. I know he's gotten experience in instructional leagues and this and that, but there's a lot that we still need to see from him. I think he's a superstar in the making, but let's relax here. He's not worth expediting the development and rushing him and creating bad habits or whatever it is i need to see him in the minor leagues for a while here and at least a full season i would like to see where you could just get a feel for what he's doing i mean if he's absolutely mashing that's another story but you know if he's hitting 280 with 15 home runs i'm gonna want him to get some more seasoning down there get some more consistency with the power stroke work on some things Because you just need the experience in games before you get to the major leagues. There's a lot of adjustments you got to be able to make in games, between games, and just getting used to the higher level of competition. There's just no reason to expedite that and rush that. He's not going to be the difference maker to push the Marlins across to the playoffs, so why compromise the future? That doesn't make sense to me at all. It really doesn't. And I understand fans being excited and all that good stuff, but that really wouldn't make sense to me at all. So you got to look at what you have now, and I think without a doubt... You got to upgrade catcher. If there's a DH, you upgrade right field and you can make that work and spread the at bats around. If there's no DH, I think you got to go all in on catcher and reliever. You are fine at that point with no DH for one more year of just sticking with Aguilar, who's all, only under contract for one year. Then you have Cooper in right field. You can give him days off for Lewis Brinson against lefties and however you want to manage that. That's fine and that should be good enough. The Marlins' offense will be better than last year, even in that situation. They don't go get a right fielder. I would bet anything on the offense being better if they address the catching position because the upgraded catcher would be dramatic. Then you would have a bounce back with Dickerson, without a doubt in my mind. Even if he's not quite the form that he was in the past, he will be better than last year. Marte didn't really get a chance to fully get it going for the Marlins. He will be a big boost to the lineup. We'll see if Rojas takes a step back, but if either Isan or Jazz take a step forward, that is huge. And Anderson, I think, just continues to get better every season. They've got plenty of bench bats. It should be a decent lineup enough, and the rotation will be good enough. I know that's not the most exciting thing in the world, but if there's no DH, there's no reason to cluster this anymore. I really don't see the purpose of it, and I think they should just roll with what they've got. If the team is struggling offensively and they're winning ballgames still, and you see an opportunity to upgrade because there'll be plenty of bats available around the deadline, then you can go from there. I just don't think you have to rush that and force it going into the season. Again, I just see, I sense a lot of just impatience from Marlins fans. And I get it because they finally made the playoffs once. And we all know that it was a little bit of luck and we want to see them get back to somewhere near there. And they need to make improvements to be able to do that. I get that. But Rome wasn't built in a day and they need to go out there see what they've got. And then they can adjust from there and add just like they did when they went and got Marte to help them with that playoff push. That's my thoughts on what is a pretty fluid and wild situation. I'll be answering any questions you have. I know there's probably plenty of lineup questions, Plenty of prospect questions. Please fire them my way. I know that this is a Monday episode, but I'll do a mailbag episode to follow this up, so feel free to tweet at me. I will put out a tweet after this episode is published and tweeted out to encourage your questions, and I'll answer some of those. I'm sure some of it will be rehashed from this episode as well. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking Marlins with you tomorrow.